my career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. Hey guys, it is time once again for us gay men to get together and have a chat. It is time for 40-plus gay men, gay chat. And you know what? Some of us say, I want to be a daddy. Well, most of us probably say, I want a daddy. And others of us like, no, I don't even want that. I just want some dick. Okay, fine. Whatever it is, I just feel like today's conversation is going to be amazing because we're going to talk about what does it mean when you really do want to be a dad and you want to have that kid in your life. And I know some of you are going to like tune this out like, nope, not going to have kids. Please listen. Just please listen because... Our guest today is going to give us some insight. He's got a great book called Determined to Be a Dad, A Journey of Faith, Resilience, and Love. And I can't wait to have him join us. His name is Steve Disselhorst. Disselhorst. See, why can't I get it? Okay, his name is Steve Disselhorst. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a conversation that I know you're not going to regret listening to. So welcome to the podcast, Steve. Glad to have you here, buddy. Rick, thank you so much. So fun to be here. And I'm going to just kind of do a little quick true confessions here. So Steve and I are just meeting here, everyone, for the first time. We've His publicist reached out to me. And we probably spent about five, 10 minutes before we like started turning on this podcast. And be probably about another 20 minutes for me trying to get his name right, which I know I'm going to fuck it up again when I try to say it. But um, so I'm going to have you, I'm going to, you, you just watch, I'm going to get Steve to say his last name for me in a really interesting way before we uh, sign off. But I just feel like we've like connected, man. There's like <laughs> this interesting thing here that, wow. We have, well, first we have a lot in common, but Okay, so we both have kids. That's one piece, but there's other stuff that you guys are going to kind of start to see as we start to dive into the podcast. So um, what Steve doesn't realize is all of you who listen to me all the time, you know, I do this like, okay, he's here, he's queer. So now I just turn it over to him and he just kind of does his thing. I shut the fuck up as the guy who does the podcast. I'm kidding. So um, Steve, what do you want to talk about, man? (laughs) Oh God. I mean, there's so much to talk about, right? There is, right? It's like we started a free discussion and I was like, oh my God, we could talk for hours. Exactly. I've needed this conversation. Right. Um, Because there's there's so much. I mean, let's just kind of dive in. You you are a guy. I'm going to just say it the way I see it from what I've read and everything. You are one of those guys, gay men, who's like being a dad is so fucking important to me. I will do anything to make it happen. Yep. And that that's, and that's the truth. And, and how it fits into your show is that I always wanted to be a dad. I can remember from the earliest points in my life, I grew up with um, three siblings and a huge extended family and family was everything. And I always like, I never knew what I wanted for a job, but I always knew I wanted to be a dad. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, I went through high school and went through most of my college years and was pretty much, you know, dating women and uh, involved in relationships with women. And 
never, ever thought I could be a gay man. And uh, it came crashing down with an attraction that I had uh, went to the University of Iowa. I used to go to a coffee shop and uh, there was a guy that worked there that had these piercing blue eyes. And I kept looking at those eyes and I had to see those eyes every day. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And it was terrifying and electrifying within the same, uh, Mm -hmm. within the same part of my body. I was so afraid of what it meant, but I felt so alive. You know, it's Um, interesting because I I believe there's like a factory somewhere that like produces these men in the world that are just like, we have to see them, but we're like, we're so freaking scared. And every gay man has gone through this in some ways. Like there's that guy, that guy I had to see every day, even though I'm like, I can't be gay. I can't be gay. But that man, and I I believe there's a factory that produces these guys, like everyone, almost like an angel. Like every one of us has that gay man or that man who is the guy we just like, okay, I guess, yes, I'm gay. Okay. I get it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think for me, what was, I couldn't reconcile it because at the time, so this was in 1989, 1990. And at the time there was, there were no images of gay men having children. There was just, so to me, it was like a binary choice of like, I'm either going to be gay or I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to live you know, uh, a a closeted life or not even explore, not even explore that side of myself. And I just, um, I just realized that that wasn't a possibility. I I met this, this man at the university of Iowa and we never really ended up having a relationship, but the spark was there. And I just felt like I have to pursue this, this, I just have to go down this journey of figuring out what it is. And so I started to identify as a bisexual man and was still really trying to date women and trying to, to lead a life, you know, that I thought would be, um, you know, towards fatherhood. And, and then what happened then was um, I was living in the Midwest. I grew up in Chicago and um, my brother uh, who it's his birthday today, actually um, he uh, was living in California and he, he kind of recognized that I was struggling and he invited me to come out for summer. He said, why don't you come out for, you know, summer and um, you can work. He was a, he was a general manager at a restaurant. He said, you can work in the restaurant for the summer and, you know, just check out California. Well, every kid in the Midwest wants to go to California. Right. You know? So I was like, sure. And then in the back of my mind, it was like, I can get the hell away from, you know, this straight life and I can actually go and explore you know, this, this other side of me. And, um, that was life changing, right. Moving to California. And I came, I spent a summer, um, and in California and Northern California, like our best weather is in like October. So I kept like, Oh, I'll come back in September. I'll come back in October. And, and, um, I ended up taking a human sexuality class at UC Berkeley extension and, um, met some really open, interesting people. And I just thought to myself, do I really want to go back to the winter? Do I really want to go back to, you know, like sort of this heteronormative world I'd lived in. And I just kept extending and extending and extending. And um, really it was probably about five years before I bought a bed, I had a futon and I kept saying, Oh, I'm going to move back, you know, and I had such a big family. It was so close to them. And it was also during the AIDS epidemic, it was a really scary, scary time, you know, to be thinking about, um, 
you know, being sexual and, um, and then also having a family. So I kind of put the dream of having a family on hold and thought, I really want to explore and find a partner and, you know, and a lover. And, um, and, you know, I spent the nineties dating a ton, <laughs> just really dating a ton. And, um, you know, in San Francisco in the nineties, there was a lot of fun to be had. And I had, a, right. I had a lot of fun. Um, and then in uh, 2003 is when I met um, my then partner um, and we started to date and we started to talk about having a family and um, we eventually pursued that dream. So you got the dream, you got the man, you got the state you wanted to live in. Yeah. So what's been some of the biggest challenges as you went through that journey to, you know, become the family and have the boys. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things that um, we as two men couples, I think it in it, I think it is, is across the board is that, you know, as gay, as men, as boys and as men, we pursue careers and we are, you know, um, really focused on, um, you know, making purpose in our life and doing things that we want to do. And I think, one of the challenges when you get two men together is that you're at different points, right? And you're, you want different things at different times. So we experienced that. I, my, uh, my then partner and I, I, there was an eight year difference. I was older. So I was like, I was ready to go with having kids. And he was younger. He was in his late twenties when we met and, and he was still like figuring out what he wanted and he was pursuing, um, you know, his dreams. And, and so there was that timing issue that came up quite a bit. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of gay men experience that in relationship is that, you know, there are different points in their lives or they want different things and who, who drives it? Like which, right. which career drives, like, do you move? Do you, does one person take a, a different role because that person's job is so much more demanding. And I think, you know, that was one challenge. And then once we made the decision to become parents, um, you know, the challenge then was to figure out how we were going to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Was it going to be surrogacy or were we going to do adoption? Why didn't you just get pregnant? I mean, hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> we tried a lot to do that. I'm sure so, you did. Uh, Most gay yeah. men do. It just doesn't yeah. ever go anywhere, right? <laughs> but it is such an interesting <laughs> journey because, and this is where the bitch in me is really going to come out. I remember we were in Provincetown many many years ago and we were there for family week we went several several times for family week and okay i admit i have biological children so my purview on this is like really different because it's like okay yes i hate even saying this it makes me so sound like so patriarchal but yes they're my children you know they're yeah. my biological children but i remember seeing this one couple and first going, Oh, they're both really hot. And then I'm like watching them with their kids. And all I could keep thinking about was they just act like these are like their little token baubles. And then as I'm watching them, this other couple came by and we, we were all at a, at a, at a similar breakfast house in Provincetown. For those of you who've never been there, you, I could paint the picture so much better, but it's like, it's just so community. And it's yeah. like, you just have these great outdoor spaces that you eat at, not like COVID now, but you know, there's like when it's family week, everybody on the freaking Island is family, you know? Well, yeah, pretty much everybody's family anyway, in Robinsdale, but family like gay and lesbian. But then this other couple come up and I'm just like, 
those two guys, they were just, they, they are wanting to be dads. And the stark contrast between the two was so fascinating for me to watch. Now, of course, I'm assuming all of this, right? In my own yeah, little fucked up Cinderella head, right? I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know, Rick, who the fuck do you think you are? Just because you got a podcast and all this stuff, you know? But of course, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I'd love to have both of them on the podcast and like rip one of them a new ass and go, you guys are the, you guys are the good witches and you're the bad witches, you know? Um, but, uh, but it was so interesting because then we're at a family, of, you know, an event for family week. And they both show up. Surprise, surprise. It's family. Of course they showed up, right? But this other couple that we had gotten to know, myself and one of the other, the other one of the one man in the couple were having a chat. And he goes, So have you seen these 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 guys around? I'm like, which guys? He goes, those. And it was the ones that I'm like, I almost said, Oh yeah, the bobble couple that you know, the babies are their bobbles that they just put on for the night. He goes, I just watched them and it's like the kids are just another piece of jewelry for them. And I just started cracking up. He's like, why are you laughing? I'm like, cause I thought the same thing like two, and we hadn't talked about this at all. Right. Yeah. So here's where I see the downfall for many gay lesbian couples is what I just described is actually the way so many people think about when gay and lesbian couples have children. Oh, it's just another thing for them to collect. And it's actually so far from the truth. Yeah. Because yeah. I believe in my heart of hearts. And again, I'm coming from the biological father perspective that gay and lesbian trans couples fucking work hard to have a kid. Yeah. Whether it's foster to adoption, whether it's, you know, artificial insemination, I'm not talk knocking that heteros don't have it, but there's so much more paperwork and stuff you guys have to jump through who have gone this route. Am yeah. I wrong or am I pretty much on no, the point? I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely, um, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, the work that has to be done in order to, 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 to well, we, we decided to go through adoption. We looked mm -hmm. at both routes and both routes. And I will say um, my journey uh, and our journey through adoption um, was challenging. I know for couples that have gone through surrogacy that there are major challenges um, in situations where like one of the, one of the fetuses passes and the other doesn't. I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's really challenging on both yep. sides. I think for us on our side, on the adoption side, it was, um, and I'll just give you a brief overview, but we decided in September of 2009 that we were interested. And so we went to several like open houses for adoption. Um, and then we had this long course of paperwork that took probably about four to six months to get completed because they, you know, they interview you, they come to your house, they do everything under the sun to make sure that you're a competent parent, a competent human being, and that you right. can be a competent parent. Um, and then in our case with our daughter, um, the first adoption, we had 14 women contact us over two years. Wow. So take that in 14 women over two years, the roller coaster ride of um, we're interested we, you know, to, uh, we're ready to place our child with you to never hearing from them again. Um, it was a roller coaster. And it's what, one of the reasons why I wrote, wrote my book was really focused around, there's a lot of books out there about how to adopt, 
all the ins and outs and all that. But I, what I, what I wanted to share in my story was around the emotional journey, the, the resilience that is required at, for LGBTQ people to yep. create families, because it is not something that happens after you go out and have a drink and then come home and make love. You don't end up with a baby. Right. You don't end up with a baby for a, a long, long, long time. In our case, it was a very, it was two full years and it was uh, worth every, you know, minute of those two years once our daughter was born. And I would say, you know, I don't have biological children, but um, I feel like they're connected to me and they were always yep. connected to me in the, yep. from the universe, from God, whatever you believe in. I believe my daughter and I, I was stayed home with my daughter when she came into our life. And um, I stayed home for the first three months. And then my, my partner at the time stayed home with her the next three months. The first, after three weeks of being home with her, we started to smell like each other. I mean, it was just like, just like we were one. I mean, we were one. She was, even though she didn't come from me, she was, she was me and I was her. It was um, really remarkable because I too thought like, am I going to love a, a child as much if they were my own versus if then I, in the minute she was put in my arms, it, you know, all of that went out of the, out of the window. She was mine. She was ours. Um, and she was the center of our lives. So, yeah, you just, you actually just described a situation that, um, a friend of ours that we met through winery, everything always gets back to wine with me. Um, we met her and she's actually also a coach. And, um, <clears throat> I remember when I went to lunch with her, we have a couple of commonalities. Um, our older daughter or her, her older daughter, my youngest daughter are kind of same age. They both are struggling with like getting through college and all this stuff. So we, we have that commonality. And I remember her talking about her son and I just like, Oh, okay, cool. You got a younger son. Right. So then we we're at the winery not long after that. And it was harvest. And this was like harvest, when it was harvest during COVID, but we were actually still kind of open. You could actually still go to wineries and stuff. And she goes, Oh, and I can't remember his name, of course, because I'm 57 and shit just leaves the brain most of the time. <laughs> um, but her son was working there for, for harvest and young, you know, young, old enough to work, but you know, 16, 16 or 17 years old. And I was like, Oh, okay. Nice. You know, nice to see him. I didn't meet him then. So then a few weeks later, we're back at the winery. I know it sounds like we're always at this winery. We're not. It just, you know, this is where we go. And she's off, but her and her husband and the son come to the winery while we're there. And I actually got to meet him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's 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 very cute. But I said, he really looks like you. And she goes, yeah, we get that a lot. But remember, Rick, he's adopted. And yeah. she goes, it's interesting because it wasn't long after we adopted him and he was, he was a older adoptee. He wasn't like baby. So yeah, yeah. I think he was either five or six. She goes, it wasn't long after we adopted him that suddenly the first person said, gosh, he looks just like you. And she goes, my first reaction was, yeah, but he's adopted. And she goes, and I don't normally say that anymore, but she goes, I knew I could do it with you because it, I, it won't be weird. And I could tell you the whole story. And she goes, I finally just got to the place. And I just say, Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. Because you're right, it suddenly just starts to happen, you know. So that's the, that is the identical story that to my, I mean, she, 
people would say, oh my God, she looks just like you. And then I would say, oh, is this a teaching moment? Right. I want to educate people on like diversity and I want to educate people on adoption. And I did it. I did it several times. And then as she got older, I started to think about, does she think then that I don't love her as much right. because of that? And so then I modified my approach because she was getting to the age and she knows she's, ado I mean, we've talked about it since day one. I mean, we've always talked to her about her adoption. So she knows, but I also just, she is mine. So I stopped right. saying that I was like, she is my daughter. She is, she is and the same, you know, now is the same, same goes for my son. My son looks um, is, doesn't look as much like me, but it's, uh, you know, it's just, you know, you're connected, right? right. Like it's, it's just your, your hearts and your spirits are connected in such a way that people feel, you know, they mm -hmm. feel that. Um, and so speaking of the feelings, so you finally, you know, you got what you wanted. Yep. And your, your kids are younger. What'd you say? Seven, five and my, my daughter will be nine in April. Nine, my son is five, five. Okay. Yeah. See, 57, the, everything yep. goes out the That's head right. as soon it's as it's all told you. Yeah. But so now nine and five, they've been in your life. You know, she's been in your life, you know, nine years now. Did you get what you wanted? Absolutely. And, and, and so much more. I mean, I, I, um, you know, I just feel so pleased um and just so i mean please is not the right word but i just feel so connected i was gonna to i was gonna say that you know that's, yeah. that's really not the right word <laughs> once I, when i once yeah. it came out i was like you know i'm like that sounds like okay, let's see minute minute 34 <laughs> added out the right word thing no we're I, gonna be doing a whole lot of edits because i couldn't, still word, couldn't say it's freaking nice, but anyway <laughs> the word is i guess fulfilled i right. feel just a stronger you know just strong connection to life I feel very, you know, um, and I think COVID is actually, um, it's been a blessing and a curse um, in the sense that, you know, you know, when my daughter was born, I was home with her for three months and then I went back to a full-time job and I worked at a, you know, a major corporation and, you know, I worked hard. And so I, she was in daycare from, you know, eight to five 30 every day. So, you know, we spent every other waking hour with her, but actually with COVID it's been a blessing because, I'm much more engaged in on her learning and I'm, I get to see them every couple of hours, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have, uh, we have a babysitter that helps with them so that I can work. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I'm not with them all the time, but I get to see, you know, if I want to take a break and come out, I do, I often just come out and check in and make sure they're doing their schoolwork. And, but it's just that on, you know, like, it's just like, it's been so, um, it's just been so, um, so fun, you know, just to be with them, um, this amount of time, like, and when, when I look back and many of us will look back in 10 years from now and we'll curse about COVID. I think that the memory of that time that we had together, you know, like the first two months of COVID when everything was shut down, we explored, like the parks were shut down here and we found like, you know, we live sort of in a, a place with a lot of greenery and we were able to find like places that were like unincorporated land. We would just go hike and walk on and yep. just like get them out and explore the world. And we actually ended up exploring a lot of other places that because we had been so busy before, we just hadn't explored and games and, you know, just doing things that, you know, like, because life is so busy, we didn't do. So we get to do all those things mm -hmm. now. And 
Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I definitely feel, uh, like it was, it was the right thing and I feel very happy about it. So one of the things that I struggled with, Steve, what's your last name again? Disselhorst. <laughs> see, see how I worked that in. <laughs> one of the things that I struggled with early on, even though my kids were my, you know, they're my biological children was finding space for me as a gay man and me as a parent. Yeah. Because that was such, that's such a fucked up journey in your heads, you know, at least because, okay, I've said it a couple of times. I'm 57 years old. So when I was coming out, you and I were pretty close to that same time frame. I came out in 1982. Yeah. So 82 is when, I think I came out the initial time. So like 19 years old or so. And then I went back in and I was right at, you know, right in that, right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. So, you know, there was a lot of reasons for this. My uncle and his partner actually lived in, in San Francisco. My uncle was one of the very first ones in San Francisco to contract the disease and die from it. So there was a lot of like, you can't be this, you're going to die, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. But in, even along through that journey, I just, I knew I was gay, but I just couldn't go there. Right. Yeah. But one of the bigger things was you can't be gay and be a parent. Yeah. And then suddenly when, when I'm like, oh, I guess I can, even once I knew I was, I really struggled with this because it's like the dynamics of where I fit in social circles and how do you yeah. be a parent? And so then things like, you know, family equality council and family week and all that yep. became like a really big piece of my identity, not so much my identity, but where I found some camaraderie. Yeah. Right. Did you experience something similar? So I think for me, for me, I would say the fact that I was out for 13 years, you know, prior to meeting my partner, I got a lot of that, out of my system. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that once we did have kids, you know, I I'll have a story of a memory, you know, my daughter was 15 months old and, uh, you know, friends of ours that we had a gay couple that lived up in the Hills in the East Bay had a, you know, massive house with a beautiful pool hosted this annual 4th of July party. And, you know, they invited us and we were like so excited to go. We were just great. Can't wait. Da, 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 da. We sent, you know, like day before, I sent him a text or an email saying, hey, we're probably going to be late because, you know, our daughter is taking a nap and she needs her naps and she t- sleeps like three hours. We'll be there at around four. I think it started at like two. We'll be there at four or so. And they emailed us back and said, uh, you can't bring children. I mean, it was like it was just, we were both stunned. I mean, we were both just like, wow, you know, um, we had never, we had never thought that, you know, I guess because it was a daytime party, it was the 4th of July. We'd never, you know, obviously evening parties, it's like adults only, but we had never, it never even come into my mind that we couldn't bring a child. And that was really hard. And what we did notice is that um, we started to, you know, friends that, were gay couples that didn't have kids. We just started to notice, you know, on social media that they were having parties and we were no longer invited. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, that was hard. And so 
um, it has, it, it's definitely been um, something that's been a little challenging. I would say still to today, it's a little mm -hmm. challenging. I mean, yep. we go to, we go to a church and we ended up, it's, it's in the Castro and there's a bunch of other gay, gay dad families. So we started, we started to socialize with, you know, other, you know, two man families. And so we have some of those connections, but I would say still today, even in those situations, there's sort of this, like, you know, the two dads, I remember we went to a Christmas party and met this really nice gay couple. And they had a, a son who was the same age as our daughter and we totally connected. And then we like, we exchanged numbers. We're like, Oh, we finally found some like other folks we can be friends with. And I don't know if there was like a sexual dynamic that went on that, like, like they were like, maybe one of the partners got like, I was talking right. to one of the guys a lot and maybe the other and the other, and my, my husband at the time wasn't really talking to the other guy. And so I don't know if they, like one of them got jealous, but we never heard a word from like, we, I called him like three times, let's get together. Let's get, you know, have a play date with the kids and never heard from him again. So it's a little bit, um, it is a little bit, what, what we found is that we, um, our best friends, uh, lesbian couple with two adopted kids from the same age, agency we worked with. So um, we, we spent time with them and then we ended up, you know, neighborhood straight friends. We started hanging out um, with, which was really opened a new world into both of us of, you know, like hanging out and actually meeting straight guys in a different, as a dad versus being in a different, it was, it was like kind of eye opening and really fun actually to fun to when you're dad, how you can meet people that you wouldn't necessarily. I think that's been one of the fun things about being mm -hmm. a gay dad is you meet people that you wouldn't as a gay man alone, they would be kind of standoffish. But when right. you're a dad, they totally are like, they treat you differently totally. because they don't think you're like coming after them or into right. them. And so I think that's been one of the highlights of it has been meeting people that I would probably have never socialized with before um and it kind of it kind of replaces to some degree the ones that are like okay you're you're on the naughty list now you know yeah you're, you're no longer there and it, it has been interesting to watch that dynamic even even at our even where we are at this stage of our life and our you know daughters are older there's lots of things. So we're older, we're established. Oh my God, you guys have been together 20 years. You're so boring, right? Okay, fine. Whatever. Yeah. Fuck you. At least we've made it 20 years. So, you know, yeah. but it is this interesting dynamic that happens. And like you, I finally just got to the place where like, you know what? Okay. Then this is going to be my circle, you know? Yep. And yep. this other circle isn't going to exist, you know? Yep. And um, is it easy? Mm -hmm. Not really, but you, you find the way to make it easy, you yeah. know, and yeah. you find the way to make it cool. And then of course, then you get to the, into the whole other dynamic, then you are around a bunch of gay parents and suddenly you're like, well, they don't do it as well <laughs> yeah, do yeah, it as yeah, well totally. as we do. Totally. And, and, da, da, da. and, you know, it's just the typical <laughs> dynamics of just human beings. Right. But um, yeah, well, it's just funny you bring up this interesting element of like the competitiveness of people oh, and, like start going, Oh, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. Or, right, right. you know, it's, and it's, well, you're a coach and I'm a coach. It's like, what point do you just accept, you know, right, it's like, exactly. okay, um, that's who they are. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad your little Tiffany has her Tiffany bracelet at one year old. Nice for you. My kids aren't going to have that. So, yeah. you know, it was just interesting. 
So before we wrap it up here, Steve, because I, I really, I mean, you and I could talk for hours, but um, I just, I want to get like this one question kind of off my mind for you personally, what do you think has changed you the most being a father? Oh, that's a good question. Um, of course, that's coach speak for like, okay, yeah. they really got to think now. Yeah, that's a good question. I think the thing that changed the most is um, it's not about me, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I think when we grow up as boys in this culture, it's about becoming a man and producing and being someone and whatever that means, like as far as a career or sports or whatever. And it's, there's a lot of ego in that, that, um, in that path. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I think there's some, you know, like there's some of that in, you know, finding a partner in the gay community. It's like, Oh, you know, you want this guy and you, you know, and connecting and then you have your kids and then all of a sudden it's like, these things that I want for myself, they're important and you, you have to, you know, treasure those, but it's really like, it's about, it's like, what do you need to do to create a loving home? What do you need to do to teach them, you know, um, principles and honesty and integrity and values that are important in the world? Mm. Like, how do you teach them to be a good human being? Right. That I think is, then you shift away from sort of thinking about yourself and like, what do I really want? but you think about like, well, what do they need? And what do mm-hmm. we, what do they want? Not, not so much that you always put their wants, but like, what are their needs? Right. Like that idea of stability and safety and security and love, like love, 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 like just you, that really shifts. And it's, and then that's where, for me, that's where I am now. It's like yeah. focused on, you know, um, and obviously there's things I do for myself that don't get right, me wrong, right. but it's really like, you know, how are they doing? And um, yeah, so I would say that's that cool. was, it's a big, big learning. Patience too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Trust me, you'll need that minor 21 and 25. And there's days like, okay. Yeah. But, um, and then then you'll get to the 21 and 25. And you're like, okay, it's not so much about them anymore. They're, they're adults. They can go figure this out, you know, yeah. but, um, but it is interesting. And, you know, real quick before we wrap up here, even um, so everybody who listens to the podcast knows, because we went on a hiatus in January because I thought I was going to be a ballerina at 57 and tripped and fell and broke my wrist. And it was oh, the man. first big, I've never had surgery. I've never, you know, knocked, Knock on something, you know, at 57, I hadn't had to have anything. And I was not really nervous, but, you know, you kind of think about that stuff. And yeah, I remember right as they were like, okay, so we're going to, you know, get you ready to go in. And uh, the heart's beating a little bit, but I remember thinking, okay, are my kids okay? Yeah. yeah. You know, have a, you know, if something happens, are my kids okay? Yeah. And it's such a, you know, not that I'm like, oh, listen to Ricky's so great, but it just, it brought me to that space of, yeah, this, I mean, okay, yes, is my husband okay too? I can't leave him out of the equation, but yep, it is that piece of your life that gets filled. And not that it's for everybody and anybody who's listening to this, I know there's a lot of gay men and women who listen to my podcast and we're not saying it's for everybody, but but if it is for you, own it, love it, be it, Yeah, you know? And I think there's something that does happen in our community where 
oh, but why do you have to be like the heterosexuals? I'm not being like the heterosexual. Yeah. I'm being who I want to be for me in my world. And that's what it's yeah. all about. So, um, all right, Steve. So, man, love this conversation. I know yeah. Steve and I will be like, we're going to be like chatty girlfriends from now on. We'll I be like so. texting each other and going, bitch, what are you up to? Um, or actually, Steve's going to be calling. Going, okay, so this is what she did now. You're a dad of daughters. Yeah. Now, what do I do? So, um, yeah, anyway. no, no. The, I think there's a whole episode on raising girls that, yes, uh, absolutely. That I could definitely, um, definitely use some help on. And then uh, just absolutely. as a closing comment, you know, it's just been great to be here. Um, and for your audience and your listeners, like I am a coach and I'm help folks that yeah. are thinking about like the journey and if it's absolutely. right for them, uh, to be, to be a parent, it's not for everyone. Like you right. just said, Rick, it's not. And it's a, and don't, don't go into it for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. right? Go into it because that's what's in your heart. And so, yeah, I'm happy to, you know, help community is important to me. That's one of my, my core values. So. Yeah. And I'm so glad to see you doing this work, Steve, because I think having a coach to help you through, having a coach, not just because we're coaches, I'm not, yes, I'm going to blatantly push coaching. I think that it, there's so much value to it, but when you have these unique spaces where it's like, okay, yep. well, what do I do? It's not so much that, yes, we're not going to necessarily say, here's the advice, but let's dial into what's important to you. Let's make yep. sure that this is what's a good yep. match for you. Now, yep. I am going to tell you that Steve will not take your call unless you can pronounce his last name. So I'm going to have him pronounce <laughs> it one more time. I'll take your call anyway, Rick. <laughs> but where can, we, where can I, people connect with you, man? Let's yeah, go with so, the website. Um, so stevedisselhorse.com. Uh, is my website and my last name is spelled D-I-S-S-E-L-H-O-R-S-T. It's Steve Disselhorse.com. It's not I'm on. Steve Disselhorse or Disselhorse. It's <laughs> Steve Disselhorse. I even wrote it down this time. Like you it's got it. dis sell horse. You know, I yeah, it's wrote a it fun down. name. It's it a, is fun a fun name. name so um, all right, anyways, buddy. that's where you can reach out. And I appreciate so much. And um, I'm going to reach out with, uh, I'd love to get your address and yeah, send yeah. you a copy, copy of the book. So thank awesome. You so awesome. And that. Steve doesn't know I'm going to do this. If this resonates with you and this feels like I have been waiting to hear this kind of conversation, send Rick an email at rick at rickclemens.com and I will send you a copy of Steve's book on me. So, um, make sure you do that too. So, wow. So thanks for being here, man. Appreciate you. So great. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk where the conversations continue.